talk a little Bucks basketball here at the top of the hour. Welcome back to the program, the Bill Michael Show. We are glad you are with us today as the Bucks get a big win last night against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Bucks knocking them off. Giannis coming up with a big defensive play, dropping 40 on them last night as well. He turned it on when they needed to, and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks now have the tiebreaker against the 76ers. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at JNL Tire Service. Get a hold of Lyle and the whole gang out there uh, just north of 94 in Johnson Creek and in Watertown. Go to jandltire.com. Whether you're a soccer mom, a salesman over the road, maybe you're just a community driver or an over-the-road driver with a big rig, they can handle it all. Go to jandltire.com. Jim Ozarski joining us on the line with the Journal Sentinel. Jimmy, how you been, buddy? I'm I'm good, Bill. So, how big a win was it last night for the Bucks? Uh, it was. Look, I, I think that when you talk about defending champions, you're sort of sort of beyond the the quote unquote statement game, if you will. But the fact that they were able to come back from a late deficit um, against the potential MVP candidate at home, or I guess for the Bucks on the road. Um, and play really championship-level defense for, what, the, the final half of the fourth quarter. Um, that had to be encouraging and, you know, a marker that this team is, is really kind of hitting its stride going into the playoffs. The uh, the Bucks have the toughest schedule out of anybody in the East going down the stretch. Is there, as you start to kind of look at some of what the preview matchups might be for the Milwaukee Bucks, is there a preference uh, to get the number one, number two, number three seed, or does it really matter at this point? No, I think I think for them, well, coming out of the break, <laughs> Mike Boonholzer admitted grudgingly that you know they were probably too close to that play-in tournament. I mean, remember, Bill, after they went 500 in January and were only a game or two out of that seventh spot. Um, and, and so they all admitted that that <laughs> was not where they needed to be so what, what What have they done since? They, they've ripped off, what, 10 or 13 or something to that effect. And, and so now they're clear of that safely into the top four, which means they're going to get one home home playoff series. I think that's they're fine with that. I think when you win a championship as the three seed, come from 0-2 down on the two, the, the two series you, you didn't have home court for, um, nothing like that really phases them. I, I don't think they fear if that's the right word, any team in the East, uh, including the one they're playing tomorrow in Brooklyn in a playoff series. So I, I think it's about, you know, getting home court to the best that they can, that they're healthy. If that leads them to the one, I think they're fine. If that leads them to the four, I think they're fine. The uh, the fact that you've got all three back and you've got Chris Middleton, uh, Drew Holiday, and Giannis all playing together for the first time in a long time, uh, and I said this uh, about last season, too. It's not about the regular season for this team. It was about the chemistry. It's about kind of being Budenholzer, the kind of the mad scientist and figuring out rotations, getting guys back, getting them healthy. And about the last six, seven, eight games, put it all together and then go on your run. Now you got Lopez back, and he can shoot from the outside. And just that first game that I saw him at the Pfizer Forum, the way he just changed the Bulls' offense because of his mere presence, the fact that they've got everybody back on the floor together, this is now Budenholzer's time to kind of feel it out, isn't it? Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned the Bulls game. I think he, he kind of 
moved around and, and played really well on that West Coast trip, you know, Utah, Sacramento. But I, I think last night was really uh, probably a reminder for basketball observers, maybe Bucks fans, how important he is to their defense. I mean, look, Bill, Joel Embiid went one for six in the first quarter. Um, and that was because of Brooke Lopez. And then late in the game, there's Brooke Lopez switching out on the James Harden in winning time and, and contesting a three where, where Harden barely, <laughs> I mean, we know it set up Giannis's block, but Harden barely hit anything on that shot because Brooke Lopez was able and healthy enough to do that. Um, he's a big deal. He probably didn't change any betting lines <laughs> in Vegas right. or any of that, any of that kind of thing. But I, I think for the box in that locker room, the fact that he came back a, but now his back and is playing at a healthy level, his legs, he looks quick. He looks, I think he, he told me though he gained some weight during his rehab, just, just by the nature of, of what he had to do, but he said it was good weight. I mean, he looks good. Um, you know, that, that's a big deal for them and, and how they feel they can continue and, and maybe truly defend this title with another run to the finals. How big of a game is it? And then, like you said, you know, you're the defending champ. You got statement games and then there's statement games. But on the road against Brooklyn coming up tomorrow night, um, how big of a game would this be? And then, then taking it a step further now that Kyrie is back and consistently back, how bi- how much of a pain could Brooklyn be sitting there so low right now in the standings and the seedings for a top team in the East? Yeah, so I think this game means far more to the Brooklyn Nets than the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, not that they don't want to win, and they're gonna, you know, and any of that. But the, the Nets are barely hanging on to this playoff play-in scenario. I mean, they they lose two. Look, they they barely beat the Detroit Pistons last night, and the Pistons are playing some really good ball. But they barely beat the Pistons. Let's be real. Um, and so for the Nets. If they were to beat the Bucks, it, it would sort of feed into the, uh-oh, you know, Kyrie and, and Durant, because let's face it, those two are, are going to have to be superb. Um, whereas I think the, for the Bucks, they would just say, all right, you know, they got us tonight. <laughs> Could they do that four times in a two-week period? I, I don't think the Bucks would really fear that as we spin it forward. So, it means tomorrow means more for Brooklyn. Now, Bill, to your, to your second point of, of the Nets, this is, I, I'm interested about this because, look, the, the Nets, everyone just sort of assumes that they're going to get out of the play-in tournament. I, so if, if that's the assumption, I'm going to assume Cleveland's healthy, Bill, um, and that means they've got three seven-footers. I don't know that the, the Nets can handle that. I don't mm-hmm. know. We, we just watched the Nets lose at home to Charlotte. You mean to tell me that Trey in a one game scenario with that variance that Trey Young couldn't score forty five, or that the, the the Hornets couldn't do what they did against? So um, I'm not saying the Brooklyn Nets won't get out of the play in, but they they might not. Right. Any one of those three teams can beat them because they can't play defense. <laughs> Let alone okay, so now they got to go to Miami or Philly or the or Milwaukee. I don't know, Bill. I, like, I get it. Kyrie and, and, and Kevin Durant are, are tremendous individual talents. But if you're going to tell me they need to score 90 points a night for the Nets to win, 
I'm going to lean more with the better overall teams who are probably going to drop 135 on them. <laughs> right? right? I mean, it's that's my feeling on that. Um, obviously, there's only, what, uh, seven games, I think, something like that, left in, in the regular season. And do they start to, with the, the, the seating being what it is, at any point, do they start to look towards, quote, load management? Or do they say, you know what, we're going to continue to fight for to try to get one, one or two when it comes to the seating in the Eastern Conference? You know, I think they've struck that balance already, Bill. Like you mentioned it with the big three. Look, Giannis missed a couple of games with knee soreness. Chris Middleton with wrist. Drew Holiday with an ankle. Um, I, I mean, those are real things. Like, we know Giannis's knees. We watched Chris Middleton take that fall in Minneapolis. Drew Holiday has missed a bunch of games on two different occasions with that ankle. I think unlike last year, though, uh, where Mike Budenholzer elected on several occasions to just sit all three of those guys, um, he has staggered that because the East is so tight. Now, look, Middleton missed the Bulls game. That's a big deal. If it was a playoff game, was could he have played? Probably. I don't know. Look, we, we're talking about this Brooklyn game. They play the Clippers on a back-to-back at the end of this week, Bill, right? Um, mm-hmm. They've got one more back-to-back where it's that Boston game you mentioned. They go to Detroit. I, I mean, it would make sense to me if there's some sort <laughs> if there's some soreness for some guys. And maybe not just the big three, but Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton or whomever. Um, so I can see, but, but that doesn't mean all the other guys would play and they try to win. So I think that's the balance they're striking this year, Bill, is – Still finding rotations, still getting chemistry, but also finding those kind of key spots to give, you know, the, the top guys at least a night off their feet. I think they're trying to find do both, and and I think so far, at least these last couple of weeks, right, it, it appears to be working. I'm talking with uh, Jim Ozarski, uh, covering the Milwaukee Bucks for the Journal Sentinel. Is the team to beat overall in the NBA the Phoenix Suns, or do you think the Bucks still hold that top spot? Yeah, I, I'm a guy who's who's you're you're the champ until you're not, um, you know. So I, I have a hard time, you know, just dismissing what Milwaukee's doing, especially now that they're whole. But I, I also was there to watch the Suns, you know, just handle them in Phoenix. Now they are different. Brooke didn't play. Serge was just traded for as a short roster. Um, obviously, the Bucks handled business at home. Um, but there was no Chris Paul or Devin Booker. So mm-hmm, right. I, I'm going to kind of lean on that, that Phoenix game because I, uh, you know, kind didn't break his hand until late in that game. It was sort of out of, out of pocket. So yeah, I, I think Phoenix is the best team. I, I, if someone were to tell me they're the, the favorite, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't argue with that, but I think Milwaukee is, is showing right now, Bill, as we've said with Brooke Lopez, uh, they are the best team in the East, <laughs> but by far. And right. if that means that they get to do run it back with Phoenix, I mean, who wouldn't want to see that again? Um, the other aspect of this is Golden State when they get Steph back. Now, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you can just expect Steph to be Steph. But when Golden State, uh, you know, gets Steph back, obviously the Memphis Grizzlies have played extremely well. John Moran has been such a pleasure and so much fun to watch this season. So other than Phoenix, is it one of those two, or do you look at, say, like Dallas 
and, and say Dallas has got all the capability in the world to be a, be a team that uh, gets out of the West? Who do you think gets out of the West other than Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the, the West is far more top-heavy you know, than, than the East, um, which is deeper. I, I, I mean, it's those three. I, I want to put Memphis third largely because they're, they're new. I, I don't know if they can win three series um, and, and sort of handle all of that. Maybe they can. Maybe this is their time, you know, um, and they've arrived way, way early. And if that's the case, man, they are a scary team when they're healthy. Um, they have given the Bucks all Milwaukee can handle. That is not a great matchup <laughs> for the Milwaukee mm-hmm. team. Um, Golden, but yeah, but I'm going to lean on, yes, Phoenix, because they've been there. I think their team than last year. Golden State clearly has the pedigree. They have that their big three is, is a championship team, a championship coach. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's it's a top heavy conference, Bill. I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, if you were to say it's going to be, you know, any of those three, I would say that would, I would say that would make sense. <laughs> who's your, uh, who's your uh, MVP voting? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if I have a vote this year, Bill. I, I, we, we don't get that until the end of the season, but um, you know, I did participate in, I, I'll, I'll, I'm transparent with everyone um, in the ESPN straw poll at the time that I, I participated. I did have Nikola Jokic number one at that moment. Um and Giannis number two. I had Giannis one at various points this year in those polls. Um, I know Bucks fans are screaming, "What do you, you know, what do you mean?" I, I, I think right. the, the fact that Jokic um, is doing what he's doing with a team where he's basically by himself. I think that's the overriding thing. If, if I could crawl into the minds of voters, Bill, it's that there's no, there's no Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, like those guys. I mean, can anyone name another Nugget right now that would even right. play for anybody else? So I think, but it's going to be close. I mean, Giannis, if he wins the scoring title, Bill, I think he's in the defensive player of the year conversation. He is putting together a tremendous finish here. And, and it, it mm-hmm. should be, a, to me, should be a closer vote, though, than that straw poll maybe indicated nationally. The uh, the other thought is Joel Embiid in the season that he has had. Is he still... Yeah. Second to Jokic, or do you think that uh, East Coast wise he will get the nod? Uh, it's interesting. Um, no, I, I think. I mean, look, Jokic and and or Embiid, excuse me, was sort of building momentum, and I know voters hate to, to or maybe fans hate to hear. It. I hate saying that. I don't vote that way personally, um, but I think the fact that Embiid was second last year, he's having a good season. Now, we'll see. I mean, look, if Philadelphia sort of tumbles to the fore, I don't know what that does for his candidacy. He's he's playing very, very well. Um, But when you have two historic – look, Nikola Jokic and and those three guys are having historic seasons. Bill, take any one of them individually and put them in any other year, and they are far and away the MVP. So I, I I think that Bucks fans especially need to re- kind of try to recognize that that like these guys are having just they are having MVP seasons they are without mm-hmm. a doubt right. historically it's just that they're all doing it now together so I think these head to head matchups matter Bill and I think how how they finish is going to matter. 
Jim, always good. As we get into the postseason, I'm going to touch base again, and uh, we'll, we'll chat all over this, okay? Yeah, sounds good, Bill. Talk to you then. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. That's our buddy Jim Ozarski, the Journal Sentinel, joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. I know we went a little bit long, but good stuff regarding the MVP voting. I just think it might be Giannis is just such a good player. It's kind of like when uh, the years that, that LeBron James didn't win, it was because they just didn't want to give it to him again. It's It's kind of that for people that may not vote for Giannis, even though he's having a tremendous season, they may not vote for him just because because he's been the back-to-back. So they're going to go in a different direction. It's the what the, the, the old title of voter fatigue is. But uh, good stuff from our buddy Jim Ozarski joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. By the way, if you're going to go downtown and catch a Bucks game or an Admirals game or anything else for that matter, or just go watch a game or just enjoy some uh, rooftop patio stuff once the weather turns, check out our friends from MKE Brewing. MKE Brewing, Milwaukee Brewing, 9th Street, downtown. Go in and taste some craft brews. They have all kinds of seasonals coming up, so a lot of good stuff going on at MKE Brewing. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show still to come right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Continue on. Good, good stuff from Jim Ozarski talking some Bucks basketball. We've done everything today. We've talked some Packers. And the question is whether or not you would bring in a wide receiver that is um, that is banged up. Jameson, the wide receiver, Jameson Williams, doing a little workout. Not a part of Alabama's pro day, but he was there. And Adam Schefter uh, showing him doing some stuff. And then you've got, uh, obviously, the Brewers chatter. Good stuff for the Brewers coverage today. Will Salmon joining us. Jim Ozarski talking bucks. Had uh, our buddy Ben Wargle, uh, the Badger Nation, and Rivals.com talking Badger. We've covered everything. Is there anything we haven't touched on today other than maybe the Final Four, Ben? I don't think so. I'm, I'm still perusing Twitter for Tiger Woods videos of walking Augusta. Yeah, he was with his son yesterday and uh, doing... Um, he, he was doing, uh, I, I guess just playing the course, him and his son and walking the course. I don't know if he, if, uh, and again, I don't know if he was doing it with a cart, not a cart. I know he was, I saw just what little tidbit we saw was like a tweet and it showed him out there, but it didn't show anything else. So I don't know if he had a cart or didn't have a cart fully. That's also one of the things that I really care about that I'm sure a lot of people don't as is the case with a lot of things. Well, you know, I mean, it's, you know, obviously it's going to be huge ratings if indeed he can. Man. If he can go out. So tomorrow on the program, am I reading this correctly? Our good guy, uh, the guy that joined us last year on the program, Brandon Woodruff is going to be here? Yes, noted uh, non-opening day starter. So we'll see if there's Brandon Woodruff on the, I can't wait for this. So you know why? Because he was our guy that was watching the show when he was having some beverages at the Wisconsin State Fair last year. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to this. Brandon Woodruff going to be joining us tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. 
Uh, by the way, uh, apparently others are saying, no, he did not have a cart uh, yesterday. He and his son were out walking the course. He was playing with a couple other guys as well. But uh, apparently, no, no cart for Tiger. And uh, he was out walking the course, so that's good news. It would be great if Tiger would announce and say, hey, look, I, I think I can do it uh, and, and see what happens. You know, that'd be fantastic if he was able to actually get out and, and walk around. Will he play the Masters? Eh, we'll have to wait and see. But that would be huge news if Tiger Woods was able to play the Masters and come back about a year, a little more than a year since all of this happened. I, I just like, wow, that'd be big. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to uh, find us, do it. Uh, the first round is next Thursday, April 7th of the Masters. And I'm sure uh, the television in both that studio and my studio will be locked in. And then obviously baseball coming up in the afternoon. So we've got all of that going on. The Masters will be getting underway. Uh, and, 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 oh, by the way, Tiger Woods played the entire course. It wasn't like he went out and just hit it around. Played the entire course yesterday. So uh, it wasn't like he went out and just played nine to see how he was feeling. It was No, this was, this was Tiger seriously working his game, trying to get himself to whether or not he was going to be able to play. So that's kind of cool. Good stuff. I'm excited now. I'm always excited for the Masters, though. There is some, I don't know what it is. There is something about the man. Out of all the things that you've ever wanted to do in your life, I have I've been able to do some college football and baseball, play-by-play. Uh, I did Brewers baseball, play-by-play, uh, for a little bit when uh, you took some time off years ago, and which I completely loved and enjoyed. But have you always wanted, Ben, being the golf enthusiast that you are, have you always wanted to go, hello, friends? To say it? Magnolia Lane. Yeah. To be able to do play-by-play of the Masters. Oh, I'd love it. I wouldn't want to be Jim Nance, though. I'd want to do the Vern Lundquist. Sit in a tower at 16 and say one thing every two hours and just watch the rest of the time. (laughs) Because Jim Nance does a lot. He has to write the speech. He's got to be the guy that sets all the things up. Right. They they go to Vern Lundquist, and Lundquist says three words. He's like, Tiger on 16, and then says the club. He hits it, and then that's it. Yeah. I uh, I would love to be the one, the voice that sets the scene for that camera shot of a car driving up Magnolia Lane and welcoming you into Butler Cabin, the Masters, Augusta, all of that. That that would be there is an art to that, um, which is now television is different than radio. Have you ever listened to PGA Tour radio? No. PGA Tour radio is almost like uh, racing radio where. You cannot see, like uh, for the Indianapolis 500, uh, my start into sports was I was turn, I was the turn four commentator for the Indianapolis 500. That was my very first gig ever, and I got it by accident. But I was the turn four commentator. You know, then they go over to turn four, and then it's, you know, hey, here comes such and such, Ari Leondyke, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of say, you know, hey, it looks like he's got an understeer, he's an oversteer, here's trying to make a pass, here's what's happening in front of you, and then you hand it off. And then it goes to the guy down either the straightaway or the guy back to turn one, you know, as you kind of do that. Um, but, so that's kind of what PGA Radio is, is we go out to 17, we go to 14, we go to 13, you know, and you're going to each one where the different, you know, groups are. So, but Jim Nance is the guy that's sitting in the main tower 
And he's the guy that is being told in his ear, we're going to 16 to see such and such. And he's got it all written down in front of him. He's got to be kind of the air traffic controller up there, you know? So that's that's the pretty cool part about it is it's constant action because if you've ever watched that broadcast, that's exactly what he is. I mean, I back when the PGA Championship was here some years ago and you get into all of that, watching those guys do that, especially for the Golf Channel on the first couple of days, and you're going through all the holes. It's like being an air traffic controller. You've got all these different monitors in front of you. You've got your notes in front of you, your groupings in front of you. And then on top of it, you got the producer in your ear or the director in your ear saying, we're going to 13, we're going to 5, we're going to 7, we're going to 10. And you got to be able to know where to go and who's on it, you know, which is so which is so cool. It's It really is. It's beginning to end action, even though you don't think of golf as being this dramatically active, active sport for a guy – Doing play-by-play, oh my God, it's it's incredible. So, I, but I would love to do that. There's one thing I'd love to do that would be it. Uh, anyway, let's do this. We're gonna step away, take a quick break, come back. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sean at Epoxy Flooring done right. Uh, he's been all over the place. I know he's on a much-needed vacation right now as uh, he takes the kids to spring break. But uh, that doesn't mean he's not booking events or appointments at this point. Uh, so get a hold of our buddy Sean over at Epoxy Flooring done right and thank him for his uh, generous donation uh, during our, our fundraiser for Special Spaces last Friday night. Epoxy Flooring done right, providing Wisconsin home and business owners epoxy flooring coating services at reasonable prices, top quality workmanship. They do it in different colors, finishes. They even paint your room, the room they're doing as well. They can do that. Located from Wisconsin, all the way, Green Bay, Milwaukee, Madison, everywhere in between, epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Or call Sean directly, 262-443-2852, 262-443-2852. I've had this stuff done at my house. I keep telling you it's the, uh, the, the gym, and it looks fantastic. Everybody that stops by says the exact same thing. Looks great. So I keep telling them, epoxy flooring done right. As a matter of fact, I hooked him up with uh, my buddy Dan Della over at uh, Social House. Uh, as the bar and grill is just about to finish their flooring. And he's been struggling to get his contractor to come in and do the floor. And so I said, hey, look, if the guy isn't going to do it, which many of you are probably running into the same thing with contractors right now, for whatever reason, they just don't call back. Uh, And it's been bad. I mean, Kristen and I have been trying to find some people to do her work at her house for forever. And every time it looks like you got a contractor or a handyman that's going to go out and do it, they don't show. They just, they don't show. It's not like even a phone call. Where they say, hey, I can't make it. You know, I've got another job. I got this. I don't have time. I can hand you off somebody. They just don't show. You talk about the worst customer service and the worst possible predicament to be able to say, you know what? We carry like 30,000 followers. So if you're not going to show and your customer service sucks, I'm probably going to write about you. You know, I talk about a lot of positives, but we can't even get contractors to show up. All she needs is... A little bit of work done around the windows and some caulking done in the bathroom, and that's it. It's not like you have to go in and, and build a barn, for God's sakes. 
So, but Sean, he, he's he's that kind of a guy. He's a good dude, man. So give Sean a call. EpoxyFlooringDoneRight.com. And he's right here in Wisconsin, 262-443-2852. So there you go. Um, this one is from a Mark who says, I look for Christian Yelich to have a 275 season, about 17 home runs. Give me a higher number of doubles and triples than above the league average and a good on-base percentage with a good OPS, and I will be happy. He doesn't need to be a 300 hitter for me to enjoy the contract. Remember, the contract was a little undervalued when he signed it. If he just gives us 270 to 275 and those numbers, I will be happy. That's kind of when we were talking about this earlier, that's kind of what we're looking for, right? That's that's kind of the area you're looking for out of Christian Yelich. I don't think you need Christian Yelich to be that. I mean, it's great if he is, but I don't think you need him to be that 320 hitter or a 300 hitter. Just get back to being above the league average, and and I think things will go and and flow extremely well for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think everybody, if he gives you – the reason I want to see the power come back, the reason I want to see the power come back, or the continual threat of power, is because it makes everybody in the lineup better because of what he's done in the past. If he looks like, oh, here comes the power, here comes the power, then pitchers have to start taking into account that he has that ability again, where he can go yard on you, especially in the National League Central. If pitchers look at him that way, then they start to pitch him different. Therefore, they start to pitch to the guys around him, you know, a Keston Hero or an Andrew McCutcheon, or you start to go through that list, those guys will begin to see better pitchers along the way or better pitches along the way as well. It won't just be Christian Yelich. So, uh, and, you know, vice versa. The more, say, a guy like Andrew McCutcheon or Keston Hero or Tyrone Taylor or whomever happens to be batting near that, that, uh, that cleanup position will also in, in turn help him. Uh, this one's from, this one's from, uh, Anthony and it's an interesting, interesting one. He says, which do you like better spring training in Arizona or spring training in Florida? Anthony spring training in Arizona is the best. It's the best. There's a couple of reasons why one is Florida notorious for those pop-up thunder showers, notorious for it. So the weather itself is Almost every day, questionable. You you always have that possibility for a pop-up thunder shower. Whereas in Arizona, that's that's a rarity to get consistent rain. Secondly, everything in Arizona is within forty-five minutes. That's that's usually maybe an hour. That's about your longest drive. You know. Now I stay near Scottsdale when I go, and even the ballpark's like twenty minutes, fifteen twenty minutes to get to uh, to get to Maryvale. So it's, I'm not, uh, I, I love Arizona. I, I love, there's so much to do in, during the downtime. Now you don't have a lot of it, but you can go hike Camelback. You go to Old World Scottsdale, you know, Old Scottsdale, uh, which is more Western style, you know. Um, you, you go down to Tempe, which is just south of, the, of Phoenix, down at the University of Arizona, uh, or Arizona State University, I should say, Arizona State um, then you go out towards, say, Goodyear or Glendale, uh, Arizona, out in that direction. You go out and see the stadiums and the complex out there next to where the Arizona Cardinals play. There's a lot to do in Arizona. Florida, you spend a lot of your time driving because if you got a game 
uh, across Florida, it, it can be a couple hours to drive back and forth. And these teams are on buses. So I'm not a big fan of, of spring training in Florida. It just, it's just not as easy. And it's not as pleasurable as spring training in Arizona. Arizona is a treat. It really is. It really is a treat. Um, this is from uh, this is from Capital Dave, who says, "Coming into town for the Brewers' home opener, we will see you at Stenny's. Uh, do they run the shuttles after the game, and how late do they go?" I, that I don't know. I couldn't honestly tell you. I don't. I mean, they after the game they keep running. They'll run two or three times back and forth between uh, you know the ballpark and the and the bar, and that's depending on traffic. Probably about a twenty twenty minute jaunt back and forth. So. If you get out early, they're there. You get out late, you know, you probably have to wait for the second bus. But I, other than that, I have no idea. No idea. I've only done it a couple of times, and those times we were just partying. And it didn't seem like it was that long, but – and and I think uh, Stenny's for a while ran two buses. Now they've got that big, giant school bus that they use that's been renovated. So I don't know what they do. But uh, we will see you down there. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um. This one is from, uh, who's this from? This is from Max. Max says, uh, I think that Woodruff tomorrow, you need to ask him about not starting opening day and does it bother him? Will this create any tension because he didn't have the same season that Corbin Burns did? I can imagine he would say, no, it's no big deal, but I think everybody wants to start on opening day. Uh, Honestly, Max, I can't imagine any scenario unless – I, ball players, you want to be introduced on opening day. Okay? It, that's kind of cool. When you're young. When you're older, it's it's like the start of the season. Okay, let's get it going. You know? You're, anx- you're anxious. You're excited about the season. But I don't know any starter ever that has been pissed or created any tension in a clubhouse because they were not named the opening opening day starter. I, I just I don't remember it. So uh, most pitchers, all they want to do is get into their routine. Now, if you've got a guy, say, coming out of spring training that he's been so much better, you know, a guy, say, playing first or second or whatever, and he's been better than the incumbent, and opening day means a lot to you because you haven't had that opportunity. Yeah, you know, maybe you have a little bit of hard feelings, but for the most part, I just guys don't care. You know, so does it create tension? No. If that narrative starts, it's completely my fault. <laughs> You're the instigator? Is that what it is? You could put it that way. That's because we're getting Brandon Woodruff on the program tomorrow. We ask him that question. Well, no, because when Burns was announced, everyone's like, oh, oh, Woodruff must be angry. So right, you, yeah, you got to take yeah. those little inklings of comments and then make it full narratives. Yeah, you got to you got to blow them up into something that that means something for no reason. Just completely <laughs> disproportional. <laughs> just, That's what I do. Uh, I just yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's it doesn't matter. But we'll, we'll ask you tomorrow. We'll just say, hey, you know, you've started the last couple of years. In any way, shape, or form, does it matter? And in that country-style, southern, southern gentlemanality voice, he's going to say, no, nah. no. Nah. He may even laugh, hell no, nah. you know, something to that effect. 
<laughs> I mean, he better say no, because if he says yes, then we're never getting another player on our show again. <laughs> well, well, yeah, well, ask him, you know, does it matter in the sense that, you know, you, you know, want to, you know, want to be the opening day starter. So, okay, I get that. But beyond that, it's like, you know, who cares? Who cares? Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, uh, go ahead and give us a shout. We would love to hear from you. Um, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and, and step away, uh, come back. We're going to wrap things up. Hey, our friends at Boondocks, a new a new sponsor, Boondocks BBQ, Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews, right there on County Road K in Oconomowoc, uh, kind of out near Merton a little bit, as a matter of fact. They are expanding. They're building a new deck. They're really making it nice. If you're a biker and you want to head out in that direction, by all means, go ahead and do so. But they have got some really good food. The burgers are fantastic. The barbecue, the pulled pork is really, really good. They've got this bacon mac and cheese thing going on that it was just you could pour the cheese out on your plate and just dip everything in it. It was really, really good. But uh, and, and not only are they a cool restaurant with really great people, but they've got a room dedicated in the restaurant just for those that are in the military and for veterans. So they take care of you as well. So Boondocks BBQ and Grill. It's Boondocks BBQS, BoondocksBBQS.com. Boondocks Barbecue Burgers and Brews. Check them out out there in Oconomowoc. There's good, good people out there. Stay tuned. Final segment, Bill Michaels Show, coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Our buddy Joey over at Albanese's Roadhouse. Right there on Blue Mountain Road, uh, hosted a great event last Friday night, and we can't say thanks enough to him. So uh, if you are out and about looking for some good Italian food in the Waukesha area, uh, it is Albanese's Roadhouse. And uh, you don't necessarily have to make a reservation. You get there early or later in the evening, uh, only, you know, right there at the heart of dinner time on Friday or Saturday. Do you need to make a reservation? But beyond that, man, tremendous place, great people, and Joey is such a genuinely good guy. Family-owned business for so many years. Check it out. Albanese's Roadhouse right there on Blue Mound Road next to Menards in uh, Waukesha slash Brookfield. So on one hand, it's good exposure for Major League Baseball. On the other hand, it's back to the grip it and rip it mentality. Um, Major League Baseball. Did you hear about this, Ben? Uh, announcing Home Run Derby X. The global tour? No. Did you read about this? Yeah, so you've got, uh, it's going to make stops in, in uh, it's going to be launched in L.A., uh, and then it's going to go global. And it's going to be making stops in London, Seoul, South Korea, Mexico City. It's going to have former uh, stars like Adrian Gonzalez, Jimmy Gomes, uh, Giovanni, Giovanni Soto, Nick Swisher, Gonzalez representing the Dodgers, Gomes, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and on and on and on. But uh, it is going to go around the world, and the competition is going to take place on a reduced version of a baseball field with a home plate mounted on a stage and a pitcher's mound on the opposite side on a podium with the field of play so they can see these guys up higher, the field of play being designed to fit within the range of environments from festival sites to stadiums. And it's obviously inspired by the success of the uh, Home Run Derby. 
Hitters are going to get uh, to swing at 25 pitches, take up to 10 of them with the opportunity to earn points by hitting targets placed 160 feet from home plate and two of them beyond the outfield fences, similar to the mini games in the legendary video game MVP Baseball 2005. So the opposition is going to have players in the outfield and can earn points by catching baseballs that don't make it over the fence. Teams are going to receive a point for every home run, target, hit, or catch, while players can call for a you know a hot streak that's going to allow teams to uh, double their points on the next five pitches. Anyway, it's trying to get more globally fans involved in baseball and in the home run aspect of baseball because, as we all know, chicks dig the long ball. So the group of rookies are going to be announced later at a later date when you talk, uh, when you talk about the home run derby. Uh, and uh, then it's going to kind of go from there. But uh, it's it's baseball's way of taking the game on the road to allow fans to participate in the home run derby. The problem is you don't really learn the nuances of the game. It's the grip it and rip it mentality. So baseball, as much as they want to get away from the home run in the game and just grip it and rip it and the analytics that go along with it and the poor pace of play and the uh, mounting strikeouts and all that, they take what is considered to be the best yet the worst part of the game and they're they're positioning it globally to those around the world to say, look at what we can do. And yet back home you're trying to deter it and because strikeouts are so prevalent. Uh, It's... Huh. I get it. It's 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 a it's a fun, good idea. I get it, but it's also it's it's also somewhat counterproductive as to what you're actually trying to do back home. I get it, but I don't ever need to watch Giovanni Soto or Nick Swisher hit a baseball again. Right. I think that's the bigger. If you want to grow the game, I would probably choose someone other than Johnny Gomes. Hmm. No offense. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. So it just. Did you see they're also moving the second base bag in minor league games? They're moving it to where it actually should be geometrically. What do you mean? So I I saw a whole breakdown of this, but when, like with a lot of things in baseball, the second base is just objectively in the wrong place. It makes no sense why it's there because the foul lines, they run around the outside of the bases, like home plate has yeah. those things on the end. But the second base bag the lines that go to third and first go through the middle instead of through the outside. So it's six inches out of place, and it's been out of place for the last 130 years. I've I've never noticed that. I thought the base sat square with first and second, or with first and third. The center of the base does, not the outside, which then adds, I think, uh, I don't know. I don't like geometry very much, but it adds a couple <laughs> inches of distance. Okay. I always thought it was square with uh, square with first and square with third. So I, I'm going to have to go back and look at this now. Now it's really starting to bother me. But because I, I was going to say, because each base. To, oh, okay. I see what you're saying is that it goes down the middle of the bag at 90 feet rather than being placed a little further in to make the outside line of the base run outside. Correct. Okay. I get you. Yeah. Because the line, yes, okay, I get it. (laughs) It's the stupidest damn thing. 
I'm captivated by it. I can't wait for it to change one minor thing because they're going to put it in like double A. I can't wait for it to change one outcome of a game right. and everyone right. just goes crazy. Right. Okay. Oh, Christian Yelich got caught stealing. Yeah, it's because they haven't yeah. moved the base yet. That's why. So they're actually going to move it in that, what, six to eight inches to make it geometrically square. Yes. Right angles around the backside of every base is what you're saying. 13 and a half inches okay. is the precise measurement. I need baseball back. My, my brain this is just mush. This is the absolute dumbest <laughs> damn thing I think I've seen in a long time, but I'll go with you on it. It's okay. <laughs> it's, I get it. <laughs> this is what happens when the sport holds out. Right? right? Yeah. I'm so delirious that like, I, I really care about this now. There you go. Oh, boy. Okay, tomorrow on the program, big day tomorrow, we're going to get Brandon Woodruff. Uh, he is not the opening day starter, but uh, we'll be pitching second to the Cubs behind Corbin Burns. So we will have him on the program tomorrow. We'll continue this discussion. And we will be a week away from opening day in Major League Baseball. So we're looking forward to that. That's going to happen. And maybe we'll talk a little more uh, NBA tomorrow. Uh, we've got Peter Bukowski coming on to talk some Packers, get caught up as to whether or not they should or should not be taking a wide receiver who's coming back from a uh, torn ACL. Should Jamison Williams be in the stable for the Green Bay Packers? We'll get into that discussion tomorrow as well. Until then, well, what a good one today. All over the joint. Until then, time for us to get out of here. Have a good one, all. Soup. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.